Welcome to Westside Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. Well, how many of you people have fallen on hard times? You know, we've seen uh, in our country... Um, the last couple of decades, there's been a lot of difficulty uh, in cities that have found the blight of the the stopping of their industries, the mm-hmm. the moving of industries, the evolution of things. But it leaves some cities in our America plighted with an astonishing amount of poverty. And yeah. then you can look around the world, and you can see, obviously, even more uh, in places around the planet. There are 700 million people on planet Earth mm. that are living on what we would say uh, less than two dollars a day, and so. What does Jesus have to say about the poor? Is there justice to be had for people who are experiencing poverty? And as always, my brother Randy Frazee is here to help Mm -hmm. us try and just explore this a little bit and just see what Jesus has to say about the condition of people. And as Christ followers, what are we called to do? I'm so excited, Troy, about our topic today. I've been Mm -hmm. waiting to get to this one. And want to remind everybody, uh, first of all, thank you for the growing little audience that we've got going on this mm-hmm. podcast. It, yeah. You know, I'd still do it if only one person listened, because this is a matter <laughs> of obedience for me and you. Right. It's a matter of obedience for our church, and uh, so mm-hmm. super excited. And if you like it, like share it with somebody, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, on their exercise. And they're about 50 minutes long, and so uh, you'll get the right amount of uh, aerobic exercise that you need, <laughs> you know, finally. Take it on a run, yeah. But I want to I say a couple of other things. Number one, just always come back and remind, you know, what was the sort of the genesis of, uh, of this uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and a message I did a while back called Rise Above. I mean, I was, you know, churches were getting blasted for whatever they said about anything. Someone liked this and Mm -hmm. hated this and and, uh, just said, hey, we got to rise above and see what the Bible says. And that's why it's important. You said, what does Jesus say? What does the scripture say? And so uh, in that message, you know, which came from uh, primarily from Tim Keller, you know, he Mm -hmm. said that, uh, you know, uh, we got four issues the Bible is really clear on. Mm -hmm. You know, one of them is uh, sanctity of marriage Mm -hmm. and sanctity of life. And the other one is injustice uh, issues, uh, poverty issues, and then uh, racial uh, issues. Mm -hmm. And he said the challenge for the American Christian today is that uh, one political party owns the first two, and the second political party owns the other two. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to being a Jesus follower, which is our number one, one priority, uh, we're to be about all of those. So we've already covered sanctity of yeah. marriage, sanctity of life, if you haven't checked those mm-hmm. out, and we've covered the race issue, both in the critical race as well as just a right. racial reconciliation, and now we're coming to this issue of justice to the poor. And if you have the Spirit of God within you, and you have read the Bible, <laughs> this is like a slam dunk, and we're calling all the people that are part of Westside, right. all the people that just claim Jesus, to basically say, you know, we live and die by what the Bible says, and the Bible is very clear about this this issue. Not only do we need to believe it in our head, but we need to put shoe leather to it with the, with the power of the Spirit within right. us. So right. there we go. So well, as Christ followers, too, once again, we, you know, because Randy has framed this, that the political left and the political right have typically owned a couple of these, these issues. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure, you know, before anybody is assuming anything, we have no political agenda. We don't have any political allegiance in this mm-hmm. conversation. Um, because we do indeed believe that the Christ follower owns all of these issues, that mm-hmm. Jesus would advocate for all of these issues. Yes. But uh, some of you, as we get into this idea of the justice for the poor, um, might have enough of a memory of something called the social gospel that, you know, 
years ago, yeah, you would see maybe mainline denominations sort of adopt something they would call a social gospel, and then the more uh, conservative Christians would say, well, they lost the heart of the gospel because they believe they're off doing these good works, but they're really not about grounding people fundamentally in the Scripture and grounding them in actually what what is the grounds for salvation as yeah. opposed. So it becomes a, a more kind of a legalism. We just want to know, want you to know before we even start this, we are not advocating no. for a social gospel. We're advocating for following Jesus into the places that He clearly went and clearly advocated for. Yeah, way. I'm glad you laid that down because a lot of older people remember that era coming, you know, out right. of the mid 50s. It was really started in the early 1900s, and that movement really lost a lot of power. And uh, I remember uh, a guy named uh, Peter Drucker, you know, father of modern-day management, follower of Jesus, said his observation is Mm -hmm. that the decline of the mainline denominational church, of which I'm for, but he said the decline of it uh, came when they shifted their focus. And it wasn't about being about both, because you're going to have a great quote Mm -hmm. uh, later about justification and justice. I know we want to save that. Um, but uh, it's it's about getting them mixed up, right. and uh, and uh, you know and justification comes first, and you know right. uh, justice will naturally follow. And so we're saying at the center of this is a person's relationship with God, gospel first. But the gospel is more than just getting a ticket into heaven. The gospel right. is about a whole way of life, right. and so we're calling for both. Right, and we're advocates for the kingdom of God here and now, in and through and beyond us as Christ followers. And so that's really what we're going to explore. What is our calling? What is what does love require of us mm-hmm. as people who uh, love because he first loved us? And so as we talk about poverty, we understand that for the vast majority of human history, people have lived on the most basic subsistent level. It's mm-hmm. it's people have been scratching for survival for the great majority of human history. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, since... Uh, the year 1 AD through the year 1820, about mm-hmm. early 19th century, that there was only about a 50% increase in a person's basic quality of life in 1820 years. Wow. Okay, so that what that means is what most people experienced is in their lifetimes, they did not see an increase. They didn't, they didn't hope that their children would have a better life than they had. Mm. And that was normal yeah. for a very, very long time. And it's only been since the early 19th century that we've seen such a massive upward swing. And we'll talk about that as we get towards the end of it. But just to understand that most of the world uh, had lived in the, the modern equivalent of less than $1.90 a day. And that continued up until up in the 19th century into the present day. But we're also seeing a massive movement um, yeah. towards a, a global middle class that has been growing and growing. And we'll, we'll get to that as we get further down. But in the meantime, though, it does not mean poverty has not gone away. It does not mean the poor are not with us in the United States and all around the world. And even though the statistics are uh, showing there's been tremendous progress that's being made, it does not mean <laughs> that we are not responsible and called to meet the 700 million people who still live on less than $2 a day. Um, somehow we have to address that need. We do, and I think it's also helpful. Be I, I, we'll dive into scripture again mm-hmm. in, in this next deal and really spend a lot of it at the time here because that's the 
thrust of this podcast, but um, I do think, you know, it was Jesus who said the poor will always be among us, Mm -hmm. and I think that, what does that mean? Um, I think that in a fallen world, we're just not going to get 100%, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but but as followers of Jesus, we're not happy with 99%. But I also think there's an issue of, um, there's an issue that, in in my experience as a pastor and working in the area of injustice and poverty, uh, there are some people that their their, uh, obstinance uh, perpetuates their poverty, their pride, you know, mm-hmm. and we might not be able to uh, reach them uh, without right. first Jesus really transforming their life. But uh, but I think we need to go at it with the attitude that everybody um, needs Jesus mm-hmm. and that uh, the vast majority of people in poverty do not want to be there. They want to be released from it. But right. there are some obstinate people, and we can develop a mindset, you know, for the panhandler, at least in Texas we call them panhandlers, right. that were actually on the side of the road, and, uh, you know, and they were working a corner, and they were collecting money, and if you watch, they would go, uh, they'd walk behind the gas station into their brand-new Ford pickup truck, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a scam. And sometimes in your mind, as a, as a, as right. a, as a Christian, you, you think, like, oh, that's, I'm just enabling poverty, mm-hmm. And so we, we want to, you know, the issues of how we go about it, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, how we go about this, which we're going to talk about at the mm-hmm. end as well, you know, is, is one subject. But we got to get believers to the place right. where they have the same passionate passion for the poor that the, the Bible, Old and New Testament have. Right. So that's, I think, is where we should go next. Well, through the entirety of the scriptural narrative, mm-hmm. you see that God's heart for the poor from... Uh, the book of Leviticus, all the way, to, all the way through the New Testament. So we can just cover a few of these Old Testament scriptures to give you a bit of a framework for um, how God was already writing into the Levitical law for the people of Israel how they were to behave regarding the poor, as opposed to how all the other nations right. were treating the poor at the time. Stand out distinctively different. Yep. So yep. in Leviticus chapter nineteen, the scripture says, "And she, you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall lead them for the poor." and for the sojourner, I am the Lord your God. In other words, don't gather every single bit from every corner of your field. You are actually commanded to go ahead and just leave it because you would have orphans and widows and strangers and the poor coming and just looking for anything to eat, and they would would circle around the edges of your property and look for something that was Yeah, the principle of gleaning is Mm -hmm. what it was called, and uh, if you haven't read the book of Ruth, uh, that principle, that provision that those who have make uh, make provision for those who have not, Mm -hmm. and that was the story of Ruth gleaning in the field of Boaz in God's upper store. Uh, and that was where that came from, which yeah. is really cool. I'll read. How about if I read Deuteronomy? Because mm-hmm. we just have a few Old Testament passages here, and I'm pretty sure we'll 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 we'll, we'll signify all of these uh, mm-hmm. scriptures in the show notes sure. so that you can figure it out. Yeah. So this Deuteronomy, there's a, a statement in here that I highlighted. So if among you one of your brothers sh- should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not. Here's my phrase. Here's the phrase. You shall not harden your heart or shut your hand. Mm-hmm against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his needs, whatever it may be, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, not Mm. suggestion, I command you, you shall open your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. You can read that in the Hebrew, you can squint, you can (laughs) pour coffee on it, and that thing ain't unclear. (laughs) Yeah, and it's just, and the thing is, we have a few of these scriptures here, you know, as I was sifting through uh, just the entirety of the Bible, what we have here is literally scratching the surface. The over, throughout 
the Psalms, throughout the book of Proverbs, throughout the prophets, over and over and over and over again, you see the Scripture advocating that we should not leave the poor destitute. We shouldn't leave them on their own. Another uh, scripture from the book of Deuteronomy says, Cursed cursed is anyone who mm-hmm. withholds justice from the foreigner, that is, the, the stranger in your land, right? The fatherless or the widow. Then all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, underline the word cursed. Cursed. That's Do you want to be cursed? Yeah. It's like God resists. By God. Yeah. You don't want to be resisted by God. You don't need to be cursed <clears throat> by God. It's hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Right? But when we ignore the things that the Father's heart is is beating for, mm-hmm. right, and He's calling us to walk in step with His Spirit, it's it's a very serious thing. And when some things Jesus, later on, what Jesus says about this is very very serious. It really is. I'll do Exodus. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, yeah. and, you know, some of these of these overlap just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, but again, repetition in the Bible is where we get clarity that we've got. We don't need to pray about this. This is the will of God for right. us. Exodus twenty two verse. Verses 21 through 22, you shall not wrong a foreigner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Mm-hmm. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14, whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, with a capital M, um, but whoever is kind mm-hmm. to the needy honors God. Mm, one more. Isaiah, then we'll move to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 and 7. It is not the kind of fasting I choose. Is not this the kind of fasting I choose? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? Ooh. So you see this all throughout, this this idea of... The, the, the sojourner or the immigrant, the, the widow, the poor, right, the fatherless. Over and over and over again, you see God's heart for those, specifically those four uh, groups of people. Yeah. And uh, when you get to the New Testament, it continues to get reiterated. In Luke chapter—go ahead. No, Sorry. I was just going to say the sojourner particularly because I think we know that's the one that's kind of unique to us. And mm-hmm. what this is referring to is the stranger, uh, the person— you know, we, we oftentimes have this idea that, oh, yeah, I need to take care of the people who are like me or I need to take care of the people mm-hmm. in my family. Right. You know, that's entry level for the follower of Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. Entry level is you're going to work and take care of your family, right? That you're motivated to do that. But the the, the Old Testament and New Testament, you're going to see this in the New Testament as well in the teachings of Jesus, is the sojourner or the stranger, the person that may not ever even right. be able to repay you, which we're going to get to in Luke 14, which is one of my favorite, uh, is, is a new idea for people. So right. I think that's cool. Right, and he continues to refer back to, remember, he refers to you, you were strangers in Egypt. Yeah. You were strangers in Egypt. You, Israel, you fled the land, right? You, got, you were kicked out. You went to Egypt and... You were treated poorly for a good long time there, yeah. right? Remember how would you like to have been treated. That's right. And he mm. refers back to it. So we go back to the New Testament, mm. right? Luke chapter 11, and this is Jesus talking. He said, uh, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisee, clean the outside of the cup and dish, Mm -hmm. but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you Pharisees, Mm -hmm. because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of gardeners, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should practice the latter without leaving the former. In other words, they they were doing all of their religion 
religiosity, right? All of their practices, all of their liturgy, but they forgot about the people in need around them. And yeah. Jesus clearly condemns it. You know, this is a, a more contemporary story with, um, with the uh, Nazi Germany, and there were churches in Germany, uh, and uh, mm. they were—there's uh, true stories, and there's actually some videos out on it. It would be really cool if we could find those, mm. where a train is pulling up, and it stops in front of a church that's having a service, and they're singing. And they look out the window, and they notice that these are Jews on their way to the concentration camps, and they knew it. Oh. And, and so uh, what did the pastor do? He said, sing louder, meaning to drown out oh the reality, goodness. the cries of these Jewish people. And, uh, and, and, what, and what Jesus is saying here is you should have practiced the latter, man. You should have done something about that without leaving right. the former undone. And you know, mm. we need to be about both. And how amazingly ironic it is for someone who claims to love Jesus mm. to be singing in a worship service and then not right. to have concern uh, for those who are struggling. Right. It just doesn't go together. It just makes you think about the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. You know, you have you have this, this uh, priest who b- passes a man bleeding on the side of the road, hurting, obviously in need, and uh, but he's too busy to get off to his next worship service. Yeah, yeah. To meet the need, and then the guy no one would have expected to step in. Does. Yeah, that goes. You know, to, I'll jump just to the James passage because I don't think that we listed. You know, I know I think you did James two uh, later, but not mm-hmm. James one twenty seven, an anchor passage here at Westside for the widow and the orphan, right. uh, and that you know basically you know religion that uh, you know God our Father deems you know worthy you know is to care after, and if you mm-hmm. and if you don't, if you can't remember the last time you reached out right. to a widow or an orphan, your religion is like a pile of dirty rags. We won't get into what that really means uh, on this podcast. Look it up. You'll find it. It basically means your religion is worthless. Okay, let me go to Luke 14. This is like my favorite one here. Uh, Then Jesus said to his host, and you should read the whole chapter. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, or your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back so that you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And later he says, they won't be able to repay you, but I am looking from the heavens, and I will personally repay you for right. that. doesn't mean you can't have your friends and family over, but Jesus is saying, like, mm-hmm. don't always look at your, your social calendar and realize that, you know, you continue to have uh, dinners with people who are like you, people who right. had as much as you, people who uh, could repay you, reciprocal, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but at the same time, if, you, if in your social calendar you haven't reached out and invited, that's why I like hearing stories of Westsiders, you know, that mm-hmm. at Christmas time will invite a widow, you know, first time she's missing her husband right. over you know someone who is from a foreign land and can't get back to their homeland mm-hmm. uh will invite them over for thanksgiving and to share a meal that's that's what jesus is talking about. right well then we go to matthew chapter 11 and uh it says this go back and report to john what you hear and see the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cured the deaf hear the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. So Jesus in his incarnation, he is moved in with the poor. Now we see him spending the vast majority of his time with mm-hmm. the people who were the most needy. He lived with, ate with, associated with the socially ostracized. He he was the guy who hung out with those people. Yeah. Right? Those people. And even into the point of people who weren't even Jews. Right, he would go to somebody's house and he would yeah. have a meal with them when that would be really forbidden. Right under Jewish law, he raised the son of a poor widow and showed the greatest respect to the immoral woman 
who is a social outcast. Mm-hmm. And Jesus even goes as far as to praise the generosity of a widow in the story of the widow's might. Like if you remember that, there's this little poor widow who, who, who uh, there's a rich Pharisee who goes and he gives his offering and he blows a trumpet and everybody says, oh, isn't that great? It was great. Good job there. <laughs> and then this little widow who gives two mites, which are basically fractions of a penny. Mm-hmm. And Jesus praised her, said she gave out of her poverty yeah. everything that she had. Yeah. He praises this widow. And then uh, Jesus' mother even says, when she sings the Magnificat, which is sort of the traditional yeah. Latin term for the song of Mary when she realizes what's going on. And she, and she says in the song, he has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. Mm. That is so good. And what you're bringing out here is that Jesus not only taught this with clear language, but he modeled it in his own life right. and uh, and what he did. I was just studying uh, the b- book of Matthew, which is really the gospel for the Jewish people, really highlighting the Messiah. So when you want to go to Jesus's table fellowships, you go right. to Luke, because Luke right. really draws out the humanity of Jesus. Right. Uh, but Matthew, even though it's really about Jesus, the, the, the king, uh, and it's really to the Jewish people, it over overtly talks about Jesus' relationship with sinners yeah. and, uh, and people that are outcasts and outliers. I, and I want to cover—I'll let you cover Matthew, uh, Luke 18, but I wanted mm-hmm. to cover Matthew 25 if we could. Yeah. Can I, well, that, I jump over? Let's just go to Matthew 25. Okay, let's just go yeah. there, because, we, we, yeah. we, I mean, this again, as, 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 yeah. as Troy said, we, we, know the, the, we want to just, like, you should be going, enough already, I get it, I get it. And, and, <laughs> and we want you to go, like, oh, please stop, please stop, please right, stop. Right. Uh, because we want you to know that whenever the Bible repeats something over and over again, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, a lot of people build their theology like on, you know, like there are churches that handle snakes and worship. Right, there's right. This well, one, after one verse. Yeah. This is one mm-hmm. verse and it's obscure passage of scripture yeah. with some debate about this or that, and they built their whole church around handling snakes, right? right. Uh, you need to build your life and your church around the bulk of Scripture, and what, that's what we're trying to get across. Right. Matthew 25, very, very popular parable, the sheets and the goats. You remember it. You know, Jesus is telling the story, and it's that story where he says, uh, uh, Lord, when's the last time we saw you hungry and fed you or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger, a sojourner, and invite you in or needing right. clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you, who Whoever did uh, did this for the least of the of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You know, I didn't read that really well. But however, what he's saying here, which you have to look at this, two things that I want to bring out, and you might want to comment on as well. Uh, Jesus is really uh, talking about two different groups of people, and there there are those uh, who did do these simple things. I'll make a a third comment. These are simple things. Jesus is not saying that you've got to become president of the United States or lead the local (laughs) YMCA. I mean, those are great things, right? He's just saying, like, giving somebody a cold cup of water to drink Mm -hmm. who's freaking thirsty, right? Right. And so he's saying, so these are simple things. Number two... Uh, he's separating people that 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 lean into these simple ideas and those who ignore it altogether. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this parable, he's basically saying the person who does not, mm-hmm. uh, they will go away to the weeping and gnashing of teeth. And in the language of Scripture, they basically saying you're going to go to hell. I mean, like right. you can correct me if I'm wrong. And there's in, in all of our teachings, we like never go on that part and let Jesus say. What Jesus says, mm-hmm. uh, we want to redact Jesus, you know, in the 21st century. And I just want to let Jesus say what Jesus is saying. Right. And this is what I think he's saying. Number one, this is not about a person who did something to harm the poor. This is a person who was complacent mm-hmm. and didn't do anything. Right. Whoa. And I think what Jesus is saying, when you compare this to the whole of Scripture, he's saying that if 
the Holy Spirit is in you that came when you received the forgiveness of your mm-hmm. sins, and the Holy Spirit is, is within you, there is no way with the living Spirit of God within you mm-hmm. and growing in you that you can possibly turn a deaf ear or a blind eye to these people that are right around you, all 700 million of them. And if, in fact, you can do that for an extended period of time, Mm -hmm. then we might want to question whether or not that salvation... Now, that's not Troy's and Randy's responsibility, but you might want to do some deep heart searching and saying, how is it that the Holy Spirit of the living God, after giving us all this instruction, is living in me, and I can just literally walk away from a person who is hurting? Something's not right. right. Well, in Tim Keller's book, um, it's called Generous Justice, which Mm -hmm. is a really wonderful read, and I'll put put that in the show notes for you. he, he says it like this. He says, justification leads to justice. Mm-hmm. So justification, meaning your salvation, meaning your uh, being redeemed and inhabited by the Spirit of God, like being uh, turned around, right? You've repented, is going to lead to justice. In other words, you have the Spirit of God, the heart of Jesus mm-hmm. in you, just like you said. You can't not beat for the poor. It can't not beat for the justice of people who've been mistreated and who've been oppressed. And consequently, the other piece of that is when the church who is justified by by Jesus Mm -hmm. acts on that by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's going to lead to more justification. In other words, when the world sees Mm -hmm. the church acting on this in in alliance with the Spirit of Christ, in congruence with what Jesus obviously said, people are going to look at that and say, I want to be a part of that. That's the real thing. That's the integrity of the Christian and the Christ follower with the heart of Jesus. Yeah, you know, I that concept of justified in in uh, and justice is so great. It it really kind of rings from the passage that we uh, read earlier in Luke chapter eleven mm-hmm. when he says that you should have practiced the latter. Uh, you you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Right. And it's just inconsistent. And we get that uh, a bit in the book of James as well, which uh, you know James you know basically says mm-hmm. the faith without works. Do we already cover that? No, we're getting ready to cover that. Mm-hmm. So I'll, yeah. I'll I'll wait for just a moment because I think that leads. <laughs> well, that's exactly yeah. right. Next, it's right. actually next. So right. let me let me just do yeah, go it. Ahead. So yeah, let me do it. Uh, okay. Okay, so uh, James chapter 2, uh, verse 14, and then uh, through 18 and 26. This is a really good uh, book from the Scriptures, and some people have misunderstood this passage of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you, one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? Mm-hmm. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Ooh. And I'll let you make some comments there. But I think this <laughs> I think first of all, James is not predominantly a book about justification. Mm-hmm. It's a book about sanctification. Mm-hmm. And I basically I think he's basically saying a person is sanctified through the blood of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Jesus is the one who saves. It is work on the cross who saves. But the evidence mm-hmm. that that transaction took place, that Jesus saved you, not your works. Jesus saved you. The evidence that is that that, that is actually in you uh, is 
is is that you will not be able to turn right. away from a person and just simply say, go in peace, be warm and be fed, right. you know, like just say some sort of little thing, but you mm-hmm. will actually give them the coat off of your back and really help them. <laughs> and if you don't find yourself ever doing that, you got to go back. Again, this is right. consistency of what Jesus was teaching, who, by the way, this is Jesus's brother, right. and he learned from the best. He's saying, <laughs> he's saying, I'm saying the same thing my brother taught you, man. Right. You cannot turn away from the poor, and if you do, you got to go back to right. really questioning that justification to begin with. I think it's interesting that uh, James, you know, we don't hear anything <clears throat> about Jesus' brother until, you know, the book of Acts, until after the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, what would it take for your brother to convince you <laughs> you were the son of God? <laughs> yeah, right. right. You pretty much have to come back from the dead. Yeah. But then at that point, That's James good. is all in, and okay. he's leading the church in Jerusalem. And what he and some people have been confused by some of this language that he puts out here in his in his book, which we often consider to be like a New Testament version of Proverbs, right? It's kind of New Testament book of wisdom. And he's not saying that your faith is earned, mm-hmm. or that your salvation is earned. Yeah. Your justification is not earned. He's saying the outpouring of your justification is injustice. In other words, we're saved by faith alone, but we're not saved by faith that remains alone. No, that's good. Right? Um, so justi- justification will lead to justice, the fruit of the regenerate soul in Christ. And uh, like we said before, that that's going to create this wonderful circular um, evidence as the church is unified in the yeah. name of Jesus and resonates with the heartbeat of Jesus. The world is going to observe the authenticity and the integrity of that and say, I want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know, it's the Galatians uh, 5, 22 and 23 passage, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit the mm-hmm. outbirth of the Spirit being within you is going to be love, joy, peace, faithfulness, right. kindness, goodness. I mean, those are the character qualities that lead a person to care right. for somebody who's not their own, a person that is hurting. It is the outbirth mm-hmm. of, uh, and it's a, it's an evidence that the that the seal of the right. Holy Spirit is within you. And so, uh, pretty good right. stuff. It's the love of Jesus pouring out out through us. And so, like we said earlier, you know, humanity has lived for the most part of their history yep. in dire poverty. Mm-hmm. And we saw an amazing turnaround in uh, in the early 19th century. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you a little bit of good news, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what can we do yeah. as individuals. Because praise God, things have turned around in the last couple of hundred yeah. years, if you mm-hmm. take a sort of global yeah. historic standpoint. So since 1820, we have seen the reduction of poverty in the world produce more dramatically than in the entirety of all of human history. Yeah. So in and just in 1981, check this out, 51% of the world's population lived in extreme poverty. In 2015, it had dropped to under 12%. That's a free fall. It's an unbelievable move yeah. of people out of dire poverty towards um, towards actually a global middle class. So for the first time in world history, even the absolute number of poor is being reduced. So it's as the population grows, we're actually seeing the, the number of poor Which decrease. is more significant. That's huge, yeah. 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 So at the Millennium Summit of the United Nations in the year 2000, the world's countries set a goal of having the 1990 incidence of extreme poverty by 2015. And this was met five years Mm -hmm. ahead of the deadline. Mm -hmm. Extreme poverty was halved in less than that time. And even though the world population grew by more than 2 billion, the number of people who live in extreme poverty was reduced by more than 1.25 billion. So this is just a historic rupture, right? Yeah. This is the unbelievable change in the condition of life for most of humanity. Um, mm-hmm. In 1820, the world only had around 60 million people who did not live in extreme poverty, wow. mm-hmm. right? But today, more than 6.5 billion people do not live 
in extreme poverty. Mm. So the risk of living in poverty has been reduced globally from 94% to less than 11% today. That's in, in 200 That's good news. Years. It's, it's really good news. Yeah. yeah. And we can do the cause and effect on that. You know, uh, I'm going to, you know, we can right. we can ponder that a little bit. But, right. But, and some uh, of the greatest burgeoning economies are actually happening in sub-Saharan Africa wow. right now. So uh, things are getting better. And we could, you know, there's a wonderful book by a guy named Norbert, uh, Norberg, who called uh, progress, and I'll put a link to that, but he just kind of explains, hey, look, there's a lot of people in need, there's a lot of work still to be done, but we can come at this with some gratitude yeah. for the unbelievable change in the condition of life for humanity since 1820. Wow. So it doesn't mean we've seen the end of global poverty. Worldwide, still more than 700 people live in extreme poverty. a million. 700 million, yeah, sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and many who have risen above the threshold are living in very vulnerable circumstances. So three-fifths of the world, extreme poor, live in just five countries, Bangladesh, China, the Democratic Republic of Congo, India, and Nigeria. So mm -hmm. um, their policies have a disproportionate influence on the future of poverty. Yeah. And uh, Westside has... Uh, done a lot of work with communities in India. We have done a lot of work with communities in Thailand and Laos mm -hmm. and uh, South Africa. Yeah. And so we, we've really um, tried to address this. But the, the big question is then, after all this information, what do we do? Yeah, I, I think this is where we need to land the plane here. Uh, we've given you the charge, uh, ourselves the charge. The scripture is extremely clear. Uh, we've given you the bad news. We've given you some really good news. And now it's kind of like, so what are we going to do with mm -hmm. this? And, uh, you know, one, you mentioned the global and uh, 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 the the One Life program here at Westside mm -hmm. gives us a chance. We have 640, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, kids that are sponsored that I think are really right. at risk kids in, as it relates to poverty and, and the lack of education with the spiritual rooting underneath it. But I think as we come back to home, you can be participating in that. But uh, we talked about two things. One is at the neighbor level, mm -hmm. and then there's one at the more global level. Right. I'll cover I'll cover the neighbor level, yeah. then maybe you can kind of cover the, the concept of being really better together, and mm -hmm. what's the reason why you'd want to be a part of a bigger movement right. uh, called the church, and even a church like Westside. And so number one, uh, this really begins, just like Jesus said, with simple ideas of giving someone a cold cup of water to drink and, and just really being there for them. So right in your own sphere of influence, in your own neighborhood, yeah. you have the opportunity to walk across the street and simply pray for somebody, to simply uh, find out what their need is, to simply help mm -hmm. them in a, in a situation of dire straits. In that sphere of influence could be your neighborhood, but it could also be the broader community right around you uh, where your kids go to school. And uh, poverty will show up at that school, uh, not just poverty, but all kinds of, 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 of challenging situations. So, number one, we're calling uh, Westsiders and all followers of Jesus to be first responders in the most simplest of ways. Jesus didn't say, you know, you—I mean, there is a passage that says, you know, sell everything you have, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is really offering simple solutions for us. The Bible's offering us simple solutions, and that's where we need to begin. And I think we take our children along the way, mm -hmm. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we take them right. along the way and raise our kids so that when they leave our home and they get out in the world outside of us, that they'll finally realize that what doesn't happen for most people was normative in the way they thought, when the way they were brought up. They're going to think to themselves, I thought everyone, you know, cared for the hurting and the poor and the, and the prisoner. It was just my family. Right. And uh, we want our kids to be able to say that. So the first thing you can do is something super, super simple. Keep your eyes open, keep your ears uh, open, and, uh, and your hands open, and let God lead you in the simplest of way. And it begins with having Jesus in your heart and that heart
heart being absolutely turned uh, toward uh, that person who is hurting. That's where it really all begins. But yeah. there's some more. Yeah, there's more. So, I mean, not only can you be surgical <clears throat> as an individual or even as a family, but as you're part of a church family, there's so much. There's something so much greater when the church of Jesus is unified and resonating with his heartbeat that the power of that synergy, of that unity, is really hard to beat. At Westside, we have been so privileged to get to serve in so many different ways in Kansas City and all around the world. And uh, if you're a part of Westside, you are a part of what we're talking about here. Yeah. And and you can actually participate in things like this. One, uh, Westside provided, this this last year, this is just the 2020, provided 4,273 professional counseling sessions yeah. for people in our community who are hurting and who are in need. Yeah. They supported 155 people through 41 care groups, right? Those are lifelines. And this is in COVID season, yeah. right? Where, yeah. you know, people aren't gathering, yeah. people aren't participating in these mm-hmm. things. Uh, we led six food drives and packed 350,000 meals mm-hmm. with 800 volunteers and 100 students. So that's a big matzo ball to put that together here in, in one church. And that wasn't just, that was a, na- uh, there was a nationwide goal, uh, and they gave Westside Family Church well over 20% of the nationwide goal through this one organization. So, wow, pretty exciting. Phenomenal. Uh, we gave COVID relief in ovens in South Africa, Thailand, and Laos. Uh, Westside uh, hosted eight blood drives with 395 donors, potentially having over 1,200 lives saved from the giving of that blood. Mm. Um, Westside supports 650 children at 19 One Life sites. So these are like, if you've heard of Compassion International Mm. or those kind of child sponsorship programs, Westside has one very specifically that meets the needs of over 650 kids overseas in four different countries with 814 sponsors. And... Um, Westside has supported 1,387 overseas house churches, many of them in Laos, where you're not supposed to have house churches. Um, 329 new churches surfaced this last year. Um, And we initiated 44 overseas community development microfinance projects. So these are ways to not just hand people something, like my my wife always say, don't give them a hand out, give them a hand up. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to give them these micro loans so that they're starting their own businesses and they're creating their own own means, they're creating their own dignity as they learn to support themselves. We, We haven't talked about this, but there's very often you can create a an odd codependence when you try to just give to people. Yeah. That's something called toxic charity. And yeah. so you take away the dignity of work from someone when you over provide for them and they become uh, they can become dependent on just that constant gift, that constant yeah. generosity. And what we want to do is we want to, it's like teach someone how to fish. We want to teach people how to, and give them the opportunity to sustain themselves and right and be a blessing in their own communities. Um, that's why we partner with overseas partners uh, because we found that to be the most effective way of meeting those needs. So we've got uh, partnerships in Kansas City with a place called Avenue of Life that does a ton of work here in Kansas City, yeah. providing things like computer training in needy areas, giving haircuts, giving different kinds of education educational and coaching resources, uh, even jobs like um, the, there's a mattress uh, recycling factory and everything. So it's a really extraordinary ministry that we get to be a part of, um, something called Hillgrass Housing, the Mission House. We partnered to assist 1,500 homeless families obtain housing this last year. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to that, you know, we've got these new A2 community, small groups of, mm-hmm. of people uh, all over Kansas City who are living on mission. And uh, and uh, they uh, we, we've, we've now got, I think, 
44 mm-hmm. uh, foster kids that are um, that are a part. Uh, an A2 community has uh, sponsored them right. and is, is wrapping God's family around a foster family mm-hmm. to give them the assistance they need to give these kids right. a real chance. We're moving uh, when schools get back. We are all set up for A2 communities, a collection of them to uh, uh, come alongside of an elementary school right. and help in any way possible. And our vision is to is to adopt every single elementary school in Kansas City in partnership with other churches mm-hmm. to provide a wraparound community for every foster and adopt a family right. in Kansas City. And, you know, just recently, uh, we, for the 10th year in a row, we provided a gift card again for Christmas for right. every, listen to this, every foster family in Kansas City, uh, every teen in a group home, and in every social worker right. who works so hard. And we've done that for 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roseanne and I haven't been here for 10 years, but every year we've been able to contribute to it. And I just remember the joy when we made our contribution mm-hmm. that wouldn't have fixed the whole problem. It was just a little contribution right. from us. Uh, to this overwhelming need of discouragement that people have. But then right. we heard that we met the goal. We felt like we were part of something right. bigger than ourselves that made Jesus smile. Right. And that's why you want to be a part of a, of, a, of a church. You can say, well, I can just do this all on my own. But you can be a part of a, a movement. I know it's a passion of yours mm-hmm. to see, hey, when, we, when, when every one of us comes together in unity and does our small part, you know, we can literally change the fabric of our community and world. Mm-hmm. When you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what happened. Those people in Thessalonica right. who were like really running some pretty awful businesses said, oh, these these people who have been turning the world upside down, speaking of the followers of the way or Jesus, have now come into our city as well. Meaning when they came in, they just weren't a holy huddle, man. They were changing every aspect of that city. And that's what happens when we get mm-hmm. unified and everyone does their part, Ephesians right. chapter 4. Well, so we, as we resonate with the heart of Jesus, right, that justification does indeed lead to justice, mm-hmm. we start to understand that we, everything we have is a grace. The breath in our lungs, the, the ability to work and think and create, and the, the ability just to, just to live where we are is a grace of God. And so as we, the more we walk in that kind of gratitude, the more we understand that as believers in Jesus, we shouldn't see any of our money or our resources or our time as our own, yeah. but that they should be profoundly involved with and generous to the poor. This must be, this is at least, this is the bottom line of what we have to see when we've heard the heart of Jesus through all these scriptures that we read here earlier, that Jesus is calling us at least to that much. Mm. Um, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says this, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your mm. Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Mm. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. It is a great, great, great word. And I guess we should probably wrap up today just a little bit. Are you about ready for yeah. that? You know, I want to uh, I want to wrap up with one thing, and then I'll let you wrap us up for the day. I hope everyone has enjoyed this conversation. Again, share it with somebody else, and uh, let's uh, keep this movement going. Yeah. Uh, you know, Westside Family Church has seven driving values, mm-hmm. and one of them that has been here long before I got here is one that we're carrying on into the future is called the lost, the last, and the least. Mm-hmm. And our tagline is, this is who we pursue. Right. 
And uh, so we've looked at the teachings of Jesus. Maybe we're not there quite yet, but uh, we're being governed uh, by God's Word and by the life of Jesus. And by golly, this is how we evaluate our success, not whether we're a big church, not whether we have met all of our financial needs and all those kinds of things. At the end of the day, our report card from Jesus is going to be, you know, when you saw that person that was hurting, did you do something about it? The last, the lost, the least, this is who we pursue. Man, that's powerful. And I got to tell you guys, you know, this has been powerful for me personally that I've had to do a lot of uh, soul searching and evaluating mm. about my own attitudes because, yeah. frankly, I live a pretty comfortable life. Yeah, yeah. I pretty live. I have a pretty great life, and it's easy to turn a blind eye to that person who's on the corner, you know. And sometimes we have this in our heads. It's like, well, I'm not going to get taken. This guy's a shyster. But at but. <laughs> being cautioned by possibly be taken advantage of then we ignore the people yeah. who really have a need it's like it's an overcompensation for something and i just yeah, i don't want to have that heart anymore no, no. i want to be a different guy i want the spirit of god to just well up in me and says you know i don't care if he's taken advantage of yeah. me. i don't care if he's going to go buy a bottle of booze i want to reach out with the heart of jesus and just look the guy in the eye and just say jesus loves you and i'm not sure what you're going to do with this 10 bucks but I want you to know that you were loved and yeah. that you were valued and you were made in the image of God. Yeah, and so, you know, Randy, thank you so much for sharing your yeah. insight and just for partnering on this. And this uh, has been a really interesting series. Yeah. We did. We started off with the bang, covering some light topics uh, week after week. But um, we just want you to know that we really care about our listeners and um, our, our church family and what you guys have to say and the questions that are on your heart. And you can go to uh, westsidefamilychurch.com slash podcast, and you can add any questions or notes that you have. If you find it hard to leave a comment, maybe you're not using our YouTube channel or some other channel where you can't add a comment, you can always email me, tkennedy at westsidefamily.church, and I would love to hear from you, and I would love to be able to include your input Mm -hmm. as we formulate where this thing is going to go for future months. So next week, we're actually going to be hosting a Q&A Yep. from questions that have been submitted. Uh, there have been a few that have come in, and I got a few from my own small group. Uh, mm. They're helping us out. So we got some very interesting things we want to talk about next week. But in the meantime, um, follow Jesus mm. wherever you are, yeah. every day of your life, in your coming, in your going, in your home, in your workplace, in the place where you play. But keep your eyes open, as yeah. Randy said earlier, to where Jesus will be calling you, and don't be afraid to turn into the wind and follow him into those places. God bless you, Westside. We love you. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today, and God bless you.